What is up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Launchpad Podcast. In this episode today, I had my buddy Josh on, and we talked about some cool things. You know, we talked about psychedelics, we talked about magic, we talked about a specific acid trip that Josh had once upon a time that uh, led to some changes in his life. We touch on a little bit of everything in this episode, and I think it was a good first start. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Merging with simulator in three, two, one. Josh. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Uh, just I guess doing a kind of podcasty kind of thing. Yeah, the launch pad, bro. Here it is. <laughs> It's been a long time in the works, man. Yeah, it has. It's uh, starting to come to fruition, though, and I'm happy to be here talking to you today, dude. Uh, really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to do this with me, man. Uh, so, obviously, I know a lot about you. You're, like, one of my best buddies in the entire world. Uh, I probably know more about you than I would say just about anybody, but the people listening to this are loyal six followers of the Launchpad podcast. They don't know who Josh is, so could you just, you know, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, uh, why you're here, you know? Uh, well, why I'm here is a pretty big question. Why are, why are any of us here? <laughs> well, I guess this is just the, uh, <laughs> this is the reality that we stepped into, you know, in the multiverse, uh, this is the coincidence that we engineered being right here face to face. Well, sort of face to face, you know. But uh, sort it's yeah. close enough. It's close enough. Yeah. So I like what you've is... done with your background, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. You like uh, me and Huddy back there? Yeah, yeah. It's a good yeah. upgrade. I, I like the. I like how everything's kind of sprayed around it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Who Who is Josh? Who is, and I know. That is a very uh, loaded question, but I guess just for the audience's sake, who are you, man? Well, so uh, I'm. Let's start with uh, what I am as a as a just an ego. I am a college graduate. I've got a degree in biology. Uh, I work in tech. Uh, I play around in finance, and I enjoy painting a lot. I really enjoy painting. Uh, I have a dog, five lizards, snake, <laughs> and several bins of bugs. <laughs> I like to garden a little bit. Yeah. And I, I generally enjoy uh, both video games and going outdoors and, you know, just kind of getting some sun on my skin. Yeah. Well, I got to say, man, I'm a huge fan of your paintings, and <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the paintings that we have done together. As a matter of fact, there is one hanging up right there, this one above the Buddha statue that me and that Josh did together. That was a really good one. That, that was, was a really good one. good one. I don't think, I think the best one we've done is that one right there, though, underneath uh, the ETs. Why don't you, why don't you bring it out? Why don't you, take it out? Yeah, that one was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, we had some good inspiration for that painting, though, to say oh, the least. Man. 
Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, man, so, you know, me and you met a few years ago, and we've been best buddies for a long time now. We've had some interesting journeys together, and we've really dived, dove deep on a lot of these, you know, topics that we're going to be talking about in general for this podcast, you know, when it comes to, you know, the therapeutic use of psychedelics and altered states of consciousness and all sorts of, you know, woo-woo, esoteric bullshit. <laughs> but, uh, no, and like all seriousness, no, though, man, uh, you know, how did you kind of get started with, you know, your use of, say, you know, psychoactive compounds or altered states of consciousness? Uh, to start with, I'd say once upon a time, a guy at a job I was working at just offered me the the shit in a uh, in his little one hitter. Said it was it was just like it was just ditch weed, but yeah, that was weird. And from how there, old, I was like, "How old were you at the time?" Seventeen. Okay. Seventeen. Yeah. So I did that, uh, just the smallest amount, and then kind of fooled around with that for a little while. Uh, maybe maybe went overboard with it, and then. At some point, I was hanging out with some buddies, and one of them says, Hey, do you guys want to try some LSD? And I said, What? <laughs> <laughs> he split up a few pieces between us, and Wait, wait. I... So, so at the time when he said this, when he said, you know, do you guys want to try some LSD, did you know what LSD was, or was this like the first time you are hearing about it? I had a vague idea of it. It was more <laughs> of, uh, it'll make you see things and uh, you'll oh, act shit. weird. Which were both correct. Those both yeah. happened. Did they try, uh, when he was telling you about what it might be like, did he try and relate it to your experiences with cannabis? You know, were they like, oh, it's going to be a really strong, like, very trippy weed high for 12 hours. Did they do anything like that to try and prepare you no, for your... here's the fun part the fun <laughs> part of it was none of us had really tried it so oh, it was shit. just this brand new experience for all of us i think the guy who had it had done it once at some point in like some very small dose okay but uh there were three of us uh i i still don't know if it was actually lsd like you never really know but it was very visual very emotionally impactful Right. Um, a lot more visual than than usual, I would say. Yeah, yeah. What well, What would you say was the emotional impact, or you know, the sort of uh, what resonated with you about that trip? Like, what you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, because it's your first time with a, I guess you can say a true hallucinogen. I mean, marijuana is a sort of mild psychedelic compound. Uh, Especially, you know, when you have a low tolerance and smoke some good stuff. But, uh, you know, what was the sort of emotional impact of that first LSD trip? See, the funny thing was I, because of that trip, I don't see marijuana as being like a psychedelic. I don't, I don't see it as being particularly uh, psychoactive. It's more like psycho-inactive. So yeah. just not do a lot. But on the LSD, it really kind of 
it put me more in touch with my emotional states. It didn't elicit any uh, grand realizations or or uh, super impactful emotional moments. It was more of, oh, I have feelings. That's weird. Uh, hmm, where are those? Where have those been? I got you. Did and you feel like... Just... I'm sorry to cut you off, but did you feel like uh, your sort of underlying emotions that you may not have been fully aware of were being brought to the surface because of the LSD. And, um, you know, like, I think marijuana can do the same thing too. It's just that I think, and I think me and you have talked about this, uh, personally before that marijuana has this sort of spirit to it where if you want to use it to sort of disassociate from your life and just numb yourself out, it, you can, it'll allow you to do that with it. But I think, you know, using marijuana intentionally, interacting with it, you know, uh, being conscious of how you're interacting with that marijuana, you can use it as a positive tool, I feel like. It's just that a lot of people, a lot of people don't, you know, they use it as a sort of escape. Not oh, saying absolutely. Not saying that everyone does, um, but anyways, the point I'm getting at is marijuana kind of has that spirit to it where you can use it to numb yourself out. But LSD or some of these other classic psychedelics like mushrooms, you know, you take them and they have their own sort of like agenda being played out in terms of like, there's that classic saying of psychedelics don't give you what you want. They give you what you need. And you can't take it. I mean, maybe some people can dude, but most of the people I know, they can't just take LSD to numb themselves out. Like it's the opposite effect. It is, it is, uh, you know, called a non-specific amplifier for a reason because whatever your true internal state is, it gets imp amplified. You know, um, did you feel like that was sort of what you were experiencing here? So don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to to shit on uh, weed as an overall uh, uh, experience because I think it has its place, and I think I definitely misused it. Absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, as far as LSD goes, I find it to basically be a party every, every time it is truly an amplifier and it pulled out all kinds of, uh, emotional states that I just wasn't in touch with at all. And that really started the progress of me coming into control over those states in terms of, uh, not being super anxious for no unexplainable reason. Suddenly I, I can emotionally understand where that nonspecific anxiety would be coming from. And I would be able to kind of work with that. Uh, LSD as an experience is, it really lets you step out of that, uh, me ego and look at yourself from a third person perspective and start using what you see to improve things. That's, that's what I got out of it. That's how I experienced it. And from there, from that experience with LSD, I didn't do that for a long time again. That was a, it was a very long trip, yeah. very much more than I was expecting. Uh, but I did get very, uh, into mushrooms after that. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I was, <laughs> I, uh, I would 
go with friends. We would go on camping trips. We would take some mushrooms as a group, yeah. just kind of have fun. And that's actually when I started doing uh, drawings and stuff while I was tripping is while I was doing that. Okay. What, uh, what do you feel like you get out of creating a painting or a drawing while tripping, you know? Um, cause for me personally, it seems like I have a hard time articulating what is happening emotionally and physically and in my head, all this shit with words, you know, I mean, after the trip, I can, you know, I can kind of piece it back together and no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, a human, human words have a, there's really not, um, a lot of words out there that are great for describing these sort of mystical fucking experiences, man. Uh, well, they're not part of our day to day experience. So yeah. we, we don't generally create words for something that we generally don't experience. Right. So do you feel like that's one of the things that drew you towards making these drawings and like, do you feel like it's, do you feel like there's therapeutic value in making these paintings, creating something under the influence of, you know, a psychedelic man? So one of the first instances of this, I had a little, I, I have dozens of journals and notebooks, but one of them has, uh, the date and captain's log dropped at whatever time it was. And then every 20, 30 minutes, I would write something, kind of keep a journal. My, my goal was I wanted to remember what happened on the trip because it always felt like I was missing a big chunk of it mentally because there's so much to process that when you're back in your normal state, you can't really access it super easily. Right. So I wanted to take some of that with me. So I started this captain's log. I was doing 23 minutes and over time you could actually see my words kind of get looser and just start turning into drawings and pictures until mm -hmm. it's just full blown scribbles all over the page and drawings everywhere. And I was like, you know, this is a lot easier than trying to do this with words. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So as I got more into it, started getting into the painting side of things, I see it as just a very effective way of expressing what was going on in your brain during that. It's like a, it's like a snapshot of where you were at. Yeah. And that gives, it's also a nice little discussion piece for you and your friends. So oh, absolutely, man. I love having, you know, those cool paintings hanging up and getting to like tell a story and where you're at in that headspace. And also I think it serves as a nice little reminder, you know what I'm saying? When you see that painting on your wall and oh, yeah. say, say you made that painting during an acid trip and during that acid trip, you had some sort of deep revelation that stuck with you and, you know, was, uh, changed your, you know, behavior pattern in a certain way or something like that. It sort of helps reinforce and helps you integrate that experience in a way. I, I think it possibly can do that. Not saying you make a painting on acid, you're going to be a better person guaranteed. You know, I think there's, <laughs> there's more work to be done than that, but I, I think it's a, a useful tool. Uh, you know, I think the Groffs, the, you know, the whole, uh, I think it's Stanislav, Groff and his wife, the the holotropic breathwork practitioners, the people who you know would 
lead people through these holotropic breathwork ceremonies where they would experience this insane altered state of consciousness and, you know, deal with past traumas and all these things. One of the things that they talk about that was integral and huge for their integration process was they'd make these mandala paintings of their experiences. Um, and I thought that was really neat. You know, I read that book while I was in jail, man. I'm like, we've been doing that for years. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, we've been doing that for forever. But, uh, now the interesting thing about that, if I can interject here yeah. is generally when you're making mandalas I and mean, you make a sand mandala, the point of it is to, uh, condense the energy of a situation into a particular visual, uh, uh, metaphor and once you've done that you scatter it you you destroy it right and it's to it's to uh uh facilitate the understanding of the fleeting nature of things so when you're dealing with traumas it's nice to take that trauma give it a visual form and then let it go yeah yeah Definitely, man. Uh, you know, how do you, so you, you told us about, you know, how you sort of got started with, you know, that first acid trip. And then you started taking mushrooms a lot, you know, in the group setting out in nature. How has your relationship with, you know, psychedelic compounds, altered states of consciousness, how has that evolved and changed? I would say, you know, in recent history, in the past few years? Before it was, I, I know this sounds weird to say, uh, in the whole scale of, uh, you know, psychedelic culture, but it was to get fucked up. Oh, dude, that's, so. I mean, that's how a lot of people get started, and not that that is the correct way to use these tools, but that's just, I mean, it's, it's human nature to... But, to want to change your state of consciousness. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I see it as we don't have a shaman to be like, hey, this is the medicine. You should try it. Yeah. It's more and of, man, life is kind of weird. Maybe I should try these weird, funky things. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I, I got to, you know, that's how I started out too. A lot of it was a very hedonistic pers you know, pursuit that I was taking. Um, and through trial and error and some tough experiences, I kind of learned to dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> I learned to dial it back and use them as a as a tool and use them r with respect, you know. Uh, and that's what a lot of, you know, I preach about now to people when they ask me about it. Or, you know, I'm just like, I'm not telling you you can't use these things hedonistically. Everybody needs to walk their own path. I mean, there's nothing wrong with if you and a buddy get together and in a safe place and you want to take some mushrooms and have a fun time, you know. You're a sovereign being. Maybe go on a nice little hike. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, just taking these things to to sort of constantly escape and not using and not integrating what you learn during the experience. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people start off like that. So yeah, don't feel bad, man. You're just you're just uh, <laughs> you're almost as enlightened as me. So you should not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, basically, as time went on, uh, I, I started using the drawings as a lodestone of me 
looking back and being like, so what was I, what was I thinking about at that time? Like what was going through my mind that actually started helping me integrate, uh, the experience to better myself, to figure out what is the thorn in my ego right now? What is the issue that I, I'm just too in my own head to look at? And it really improved that. So over time I did that for few years. I mean, I'm still having, I was still having fun with it, but it became less about being a group party and more about what can I, what can I see that I'm not seeing? Right. And then for a few years, I, I took a break for several years of just, just stopped. Um, I probably shouldn't have. Because instead I just smoked weed, and that didn't really improve the quality of my life. It was fun. I had fun with friends, but uh, whenever I started doing psychedelics again, I noticed this very sudden change in the quality of my life, and it's just consistently moved upwards. Yeah. And that's not like a you microdosing every day type thing or you taking psychedelics every weekend that's like you've had a select handful of large impactful journeys and correct me if i'm wrong here in any of this that uh you know have served as a sort of metaphorical little launch pad <laughs> to you, <laughs> to your continuous and like never ending you know sort of improvement journey that you're on um and as you know your dear friend i've watched you come a long way in a very short period of time and i'm very proud of you for that man um you know and i do think that you know and i'm not this disclaimer here i'm not telling you that this works for everybody i'm not recommending anybody to go out and take psychedelics but in your case josh i have seen how they have been a positive influence for you when you've used them respectfully and you know like i keep saying you've integrated what you learned uh, in these difficult moments you know so they are quite literally a mental tool and like any tool as i've heard you say before you can either hit yourself in the head with it a bunch or you can use it the way it's supposed to be used right and I think I hit myself in the head with it a bunch before I started realizing how to use it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's just part of the process. If you don't have a shamanistic guide, you're not going to know how to use them properly. You're going to have to learn from it, right. from the experience and from the the spirits behind right. it. And well, well, that's how a lot of people do end up learning how to use these things or developing the relationship relationships with them is through trial and error because i mean in the culture is shifting right now you know what i'm saying there's this sort of psychedelic renaissance that's kicking back off and i i love it but for you know my mine and your generation man we grew up with the whole you know dare programs war on drugs don't do drugs if you do <laughs> if you do any drugs my dare officer got arrested for dealing coke. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, shit like that goes on everywhere, you know, like, but yeah, you're right, man. Our society 
doesn't value our society is so hyper focused on conditioning people to be worried about sort of materialistic gain, you know, and not that that isn't important. Just be worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to be scared. You have to be scared all the time. <laughs> yes. If you're not, then something's wrong with you. Right. Yeah. If you're not worried about something, you better find something to be worried about. <laughs> like fucking. <laughs> but then, and that's, that's the sort of Western philosophy, you know, but like you take like Eastern philosophy and it's like, you know, the Buddhism, the Hinduism, and they're like, uh, well, your goal in life, and, you know, with all these things, I think any sort of extremism, any sort of ism is unhealthy. But, you know, they focus more on, like, well, you know, coming to peace with yourself and your spiritual growth, not necessarily your materialistic career growth and all these things. It's just interesting to see how someone like you navigates those waters of, I guess you want to call it the spirit world or higher dimensions, whatever the, whatever the fuck we're tapping into, dude, with these compounds, how people navigate that, having grown up in a society that conditions them to think that if you believe in that shit, you're crazy, you're a tree-hugging hippie. You oh, know? man. You're a schizo. Yeah. You're a you schizophrenic, yeah. and you need to be in a hospital <laughs> for your own safety. Yeah, man. And, like, I, it's, uh, when I made this channel, it was very refreshing. A lot of the comments I got about people being like, yep, I've seen it too, man. Or <laughs> I've had a very similar experience. Yeah. Because. I was a little surprised. Yeah, man. Just because, you know, like, as you know, I've smoked a lot of DMT and I've had a very close relationship to it for quite some time. Um, I've had a lot of experiences and when I try and talk to the average person about that, it's not like I'm going to Walmart and being like, Hey bro, have you tried DMT? But you know, it just, it can come up in conversation. And when you talk to somebody who hasn't experienced that yet, you, you get looks, you get looked at like you're crazy, like you're full of shit. It's fear. They're literally scared. They literally can't comprehend what it is or why you would do it. Yeah. Because it's so far outside of their norm. Yeah, and we all we all live in these sort of, you know, our own individual reality tunnels and but uh yeah, man, it's just it's interesting to watch like uh yeah. So uh what would you say, man, like has been the most impactful journey you've had and like could you tell us a story behind that yeah. i think i know which specific thing you're asking about and uh uh so i've had quite a few uh strong impactful uh experiences they wouldn't be like directly life changing but they did listed small changes that would improve things and snowball into better things. But I had one. And this was a couple of years, two, three years ago now, two years ago now. And it was, uh, I overdid yeah. it. Uh, dose responsibly. Yeah. I realized I was always scared of, uh, uh, kind of plunging into the deep end and, and seeing if I could swim on that kind of stuff. 
So I took a bit more LSD than I was used to. Yeah. And I lost my mind. Completely and utterly. I remember I went, I looked in a mirror, and I said, I don't know who this is. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. And that was where I go, uh-oh, that's a, that's a scary question to ask. Yeah. And suddenly I had my paint set in my hand. I was like, oh, I'm a painter. I should, I should paint something. And then I started painting. And then the colors started talking to yeah. me. And I said, that's a lot more than I bargained for. That's way more than I usually get. So I am hearing all these different voices all around me. And this, I would call this the first spirit world experience. And I don't know if they are autonomous voices that reside in the machine elf dimension, or if they are my own brain eliciting a uh, psychosomatic response from my surroundings and just attributing personalities yeah. to things. But my surroundings were straight up talking yeah. to me. So I was just like, oh, I broke. I'm This is schizophrenia all the way, for sure. I'm absolutely terrified yeah. at this point. I don't know if I've ever been more afraid of anything in my life. I can... Uh, fear itself was one of the manifested personalities. And I was just like, oh, shit, this is... This is bad. Let's, can we can we give the uh, uh, listeners a little context here for this? Because I remember, if I recall this correctly, this journey happened at the at the launch pad. And for people who don't know, <laughs> the launch pad is the my old apartment that I used to have, where a lot of journeys went down, and I used to have and hold DMT ceremonies. <laughs> um, but anyways. You took a very large dose of LSD. We're at the launch pad, and if correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the dose was somewhere around like 600 micrograms, right? Uh, I think it was eight. 800. Okay. Yeah, I think. But um, but and I don't think that the dose really mattered so much as uh, comparison to my very loose grip. Yeah, on and well, and that's the point I wanted to make is I remember at this time, you were at sort of, uh, would you call it a low point in life? Like me and you had not been friends for, we we had been friends for a little while, but not too long yet, you know. And you were at sort of a, a transitional, very yeah. transitional period in your life where things were uncertain, where you you probably knew subconsciously and deep down that there were some big changes that you needed to make for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I think that was, so, I think uh, that might've been a big factor leading into why you had such a, a deep plunge into that other world, you know? So this is going to be a bit of a trigger warning section for, for your listeners. So just a fair heads up, uh, suicidal ideations coming up. So coming into this, I was going absolutely nowhere in life. I'd spent years and years and years studying and getting degrees and certifications and this and that. And I just couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I was stuck working a dead-end job at Walmart. Uh, I was absolutely miserable doing the exact same thing over and over and over every single day. It, it was literally killing me. Uh, I had very recently lost a... 
I wouldn't say small fortune, uh, just through various trading practices. And that by itself wasn't that bad. It sucked. But the the fact that it, I was stuck doing the exact same thing every single day, uh, going nowhere, was really what was just eating me alive every single day. So I was at a... Uh, I was kind of grinding my nose against rock bottom there for probably the last year of that. And... At that point, coming into this trip, that was kind of where I took the plunge. And I was just like, I want I want to see what the hell the monkey on my back is. I want to figure it out. Uh, I hadn't gone into something that aggressively before. That much of, I am going to get to the bottom of whatever's going on right. with my brain. And I, I'll say, man, I'm happy that you did it at my apartment because I didn't know for sure. Sh- <laughs> I didn't know for sure, but I had a feeling that you were going to face some challenging things just because of all of the reasons that I described a minute ago and what you've been saying about you know your kind of state of mind leading into this trip and where you were at in life. But I think it's important for listeners to know that if you are going to take a, a deep dive, uh, you know, um, to be somewhere where you feel safe, that is safe. Where you- be safe. Be prepared. Uh- uh, there's no real preparing for dealing with your own yeah. mind, uh, but you know, don't don't jump in the deep end right, right. off the bat. It's just not not yeah. smart. So, uh, going into this, basically, what it all boiled down to, while well, I'm listening to all of my surroundings talking directly and- to me, and it was like physical people speaking into my ear. Uh, I'm having them, some of them are very supportive of me. Some of them are not. And specifically, there is a voice that is just edging on suicide. It is just like, bro, do it. Like, why aren't you doing it? And so what it boiled down to is I had to have a very real, very serious discussion with myself on whether or not I wanted to be alive. And it was kind of my, uh, it was my coming to God of, is life worth living? Yeah. And what it boiled down to, the, the first, the first thing was, well, obviously I have a dog to feed and I can't just up and not feed him. He, he needs me to go feed him. So that's, that's number right. one. And that was like this bedrock of, uh, I had things that were reliant on me that I I love my dog. I love my animals. So that was the very first thing of being like, yes, of course there are good reasons to stay alive. I want to go home. I want to cuddle on yeah. my puppy. It's great. And it's a it's a hard topic to talk about because it's, it's like... Very personal. Uh, society has an incredibly... Yeah. Society has a very negative view of suicide. And for good reason, but it also makes it very difficult to discuss it just completely right. openly. So, from there, it was, uh, that was, that was stage one of my schizophrenic yeah. breakdown. That was, that was just, like, tip of the iceberg. I only have scattered memories of the rest yeah. of the layers. I remember, 
I remember in the ensuing I, weeks, you know, because obviously <coughs> we uh, kept in contact, you know, we hung out and checked in on you and shit, but you seemed in the ensuing weeks to be going through some sort of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it psychosis, some sort of uh, shamanic oh, yeah. initiation. Yeah, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> Whatever it was, can't be the same. Yeah, thing yeah, sometimes. for sure. Whatever you want to call it, uh, you were going through something. You know, it, the the effects of the psychedelics. While you may not have been tripping after they wore off, they still were there. Like it, you know, what I'm saying things were different, and um, you know, so oh, so very you, different. And you're telling man. us, you know, that you were dealing with suicidal ideation, um, which I'm sure, you know, I commend you for, you know being open, honest, and transparent about that, man, because, you know, not a lot of people want to do that and talk about, you know, these deeply personal things, but, uh, you know, so you're dealing with these thoughts. You probably had been dealing with them for quite some time. You're in a rough point in your life, and your LSD made you confront the idea of living and living or die, dying, you know, and from what I take away from that is that you decided life was worth living. You know, and um, what what yeah. do you, and obviously you mentioned crypto, um, but was there anything else that really stuck out to you in that sort of moment? Your your connection with the divine, the higher dimensions, whatever they are. Was there anything else that really stuck out? Like I want to do this in life, or I want to become this, or I don't want. Oh no, <laughs> that's the funny part. I still don't have an answer for what I want to judge yeah. to be. It's just uh, more of I appreciate the day-to-day yeah. moments of things a little bit more. I don't have to be yeah. something. I have to learn to do things I yeah. enjoy that that uplift me right. rather than just crush. Okay. Me. Okay. Cool. Uh. As far as that experience went, there were uh, several things that I just won't get into, but I had a discussion with a being that basically hallucinated a completely different reality for me for for a little while. That was very strange. I'd say I spoke with an angel and a devil. That was very strange. This whole experience was so uh, uh, psychosis-like that at the time, I couldn't even question what was going on because it was so real. It was so visceral. And then over the ensuing weeks, and it it was two or three weeks, my ego slowly started reforming and coming back together. It was a little cleaner this time. We got some of the gunk out from the very very recesses mm-hmm. of it. But the memories yeah. are still there. Um, I don't I don't hear voices all the time, or really any time, except whenever that is the event that I'm trying to elicit through psychedelics or something. Uh, I don't have these world-shattering discussions with a divine yeah. entity. Uh, so, like... How would you say, in the grand scheme of things, since it's been you know a couple of years now since this trip, 
what role do you think that that experience played in, you know, the sort of reality, the the universe that you stepped foot into after that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so I want you to imagine that you yourself, you, Gabe, are like a pair of shoes that God is just slipping on for, you know, hundred or so years to play video game. Right. Do you think he wants to play box stacker simulator? <laughs> or do you think he wants to play uh, Forest Explorer? Uh, definitely th- that's definitely really the, the latter. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm going to sound very, very wise right here, but the the duality okay. of things, man. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there's something to be said about, like, experiencing the, the bad parts and the good parts, you know? Like, um, no matter who you are, man, there's always, almost always, you know, ups and downs in life. And you can get it to the point where there's more ups than downs, and you can enjoy the journey for what it is, but... <laughs> You can get to where it wiggles. Yeah, diagonally. but if if God, if we really are these little expressions of God, you know, um, his the little fingertips of God coming up out of the ground, like I think <laughs> I think God is doing that to experience everything. You know, obviously, there's the very blissful things. Which, let's face it, human beings are like little pleasure-seeking monkeys, you know, we just, we, we crave, oh, yeah. yeah, we crave Pleasure's the pleasurable nice. things. And most of it, <laughs> most of uh, what we do at the root of that is the desire to be happy, to be loved, to be safe, you know? Um, but yeah, man, the duality and things, I think God wants us to experience the bad things too. Um, sort of. See, I actually, if I can interject on that, I actually really? don't believe that. Like, and I know this slaps the face of Buddhism and really? all that kind it's, of. Well, like, explain. Uh, we're explain. here for all. We're here for all of the experience. When a child touches a stove, mm-hmm. a hot stove top, they learn don't touch right. it again because right. it hurts. I think that our experience is just a multifaceted God learning where the stove top is and how to stop okay. touching it. Okay. He doesn't need us to, like, burn every different part of our body to realize, hey, that's a hot stovetop. That hurts. We all have to experience that. We can we can understand that that is how that works. I think God uh, wants us to learn how to live a pleasurable life without, without going overboard yeah. on it, but... How to live a less painful life is also right. a big part of it. And I don't think we need to experience every form of pain to know maybe, how to do that. Maybe not, but if everybody, and do you think everybody is a part of that equation when it comes to God? I mean, because if that's the case, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are handed a pretty shitty deck of cards or, you know, hand of cards, man. And they are going to live death. There is some people out there, man, on this earth right now 
who are destined to live a pretty miserable, ex- pretty miserable existence, you know? Um, and so I just wonder, yeah, well, they're, maybe- in hell. They're, they're literally living yeah. a hell experience. Like I, I know that they've got a shitty hand. They've got a horrible deck of cards, but that's literally the point of, um, religious, uh, missionarianism to some degree for some religions is to go to these people and be like, here's how you get out of hell. This is the, like, here's the secret. You can, you can get out of this. Your ego is the thing entrapping you in this. And I don't know if that's a karma thing. Like they're born into this hell because they did something bad in the last life they have to pay for, which in my opinion is a pretty shit way of doing it. Like, how are you supposed to learn your lesson if you don't even remember why you're being punished? Like it's, it's, Dumb, but you have these people who literally have the keys to a blissful experience, and their job is to go out and spread that. And everybody that is entrapped in hell is stuck there because they they don't believe that that's possible. They don't believe that somebody can be blissfully right. happy, so they just don't listen to them. They ignore those people. They say you you're crazy, airport pamphlet people. I won't talk to you, and I'm not a Hare Krishna. I'm, I believe that there are different groups of people who have ideas that can massively improve your existence. And I believe that the ego is what entraps somebody long-term right. into hell. Well, I mean, I, sa- Living hell. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, man. But the, what I think about is... You know, me and you can go on fucking Google and type in how to meditate, how to be a Buddhist, how to all these things. You know, our ag- <laughs> and it, our how to be how enlightened. To be enlightened. Yeah, to, for everybody listening to this, go take my Google. online enlightenment course. It's only nine hundred dollars a month. Um, <laughs> I'm totally kidding, but. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, you know, we have access to an abundance of information. Um, What I think about is, like, say, you know, the kid in Ethiopia who parents are abusive, who has to walk four miles in the scorching hot sun to go get drinking water, who doesn't have access to these ideas, the the thoughts of just be here now, man, Just, just sit there and just... Be present. Like, he's never been taught that. There's some people who are never going to be taught that. You know what I mean? I mean... um, Oh, yeah. So that's why I guess you could say the duality and things comes into play with God. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, It's it's kind of a pessimistic thing to talk about. This idea that God may... Regardless of if these souls are connected to God, part of God, or separate entities whatever it's uh it's there's going to be people who live a miserable existence regardless of you know how much uh information there is out there to be at peace you know some people don't have that it is literally the most unfortunate thing about existence um but a big part of the true religious experience, the spiritual experience, is to 
uplift people towards heaven. And the idea is that the more people that you can help uplift, or at least get the clutches of hell right. to loosen up on them, the more people you can do that for, the closer the whole world is to achieving and the blissful heaven state. People, for and people who don't know, Josh is a devout Bible thumping. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> he's not. He's just making a point here. But um, I'm very spiritual, and I think religion has yeah. a place to play in that. I don't think that condemning people out of hand for irrelevant acts is particularly yeah. important. I think that is a misplacement of attention. It is its own pitfall. Whenever you are hating on something, you're focusing your attention and their attention to that thing rather than praising something where you focus attention to the positive yeah. thing. You want their attention and energy to be directed towards the positive, and it's the same for yourself. If you're focused on all these negatives about other people, well, that's a pitfall. That that's I like the point you made itself. about, you know, say, religious missionaries and trying to uplift people out of their maybe literal hell but, or metaphorical hell that they're living in, right? And uh, I see a correlation there going on with uh, this sort of psychedelic renaissance that we're living through right now, man. You know, because uh, as anybody who's into these sort of things knows, there is a large emergence of, you know, uh, research being done. It's a lot of people are talking about psychedelics, man, for their therapeutic value, for their ability to improve people's quality of lives. And if you're, a, if you know any psychonauts or know a lot of people who are into these sort of things, you, you know, they talk about this stuff. They like to, they like to spread their message. They, they gravitate towards, um, yeah, just, um, I don't want to say, to tell the next guy to do mushrooms, it's not what every psychonaut's mission is out there to do. You know what I'm saying? But no. they want there to be a sort of a awareness shift towards these things, you know. Because for the longest time, it was just condemned. Uh, you were an outlier if you participated in these sort of things. It is the oldest form of yeah. traditional medicine. The, like, it, it is the yeah. oldest form. I don't understand how in the last couple hundred years we've been like, whoa, this is this is devil well, stuff. We, it goes, whoa, I'm going to smoke my tobacco <laughs> and leave Well, it goes back to what you said earlier, man. It, I think a lot of it had to do with fear and control, you know? That's what a lot of the... Uh, yeah. It's very about control. You know, That's for um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's another thing about. Uh, I know there are there are completely destitute regions. There are places where I I literally have to compare it to hell. But in a lot of these remote areas, there are still traditional psychoactive right. medicines that improve the connection right. between people, and that in itself is an uplifting uh, kind of path towards heaven. That is. In those places, that is how they... They don't need to right. learn Buddhism. They just need to learn how to be together and be positive well, with each other. And I think that together. the Buddha himself 
has a quote that goes along the lines of something like, uh, my teachings are like my finger pointing to the moon. Don't mistake my finger for the moon. And from what I, I really like that quote, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's and what I kind of get from That's that is this idea that when it comes to religions or spirituality or all these different beliefs, they all, I personally believe, have the same sort of juicy source to them. The source of that, that's the moon, the that's divine, the whatever you want to refer to it as, Jesus, Krishna, Buddha, the DMT entities, whatever the fuck it is to you, man, that's the moon. And your finger, your perspective of how to get there, your individual finger isn't the only path, you know. Uh, I think with a lot of these things, people are reaching for the same sort of thing. They just don't have that broad enough to perspective to realize, well, this guy over here, we're kind of both trying to get to the same goal. It's just that I believe in Jesus and he believes in whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, That's why I kind of I gravitated away from the dogmatic side of things. I still enjoy learning about religions. I, I really like the cultural roles that they play and they help me connect with the people who follow whichever particular yeah. brand there is. But they they all make the mistake of saying their followers think right. this is the moon. It's not the moon, it's right. the finger. It is pointing. It is giving you a, a binocular view of the bigger and I picture. The and I thing. think that's the where psychedelics bang. are playing such a crucial point right now in our history is because for so long, I think human beings have felt this feeling of there's something missing, you know? And when you have a very strong psychedelic experience, yeah. it's not, there's a difference. The difference between having a psychedelic experience and say like a religious belief is that a religious belief is a belief. You know what I'm saying? And not, not, I'm say, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's what it is. Right. It's faith But a psychedelic experience is in your face. It is something you can experience. You can directly commune and feel that divine force, whatever it is, that higher power. And, man, that was a... I feel like that was such an instrumental part in my own development as a person through the experimentation with these things, especially with DMT is going into all of this. I was, and I've talked about this in one of my videos, I was pretty agnostic just in the, in terms of like, I wasn't out there saying God isn't real, but also I, I was of the mindset of like, I don't know. And I don't think anyone else really knows. So I'm just kind of just going with the flows of life right now. But after, after having, you know, some pretty yeah. fucking crazy DMT experiences, man. I, uh, I felt a higher power. I was, I experienced a higher power and I never previously, I never thought that that was going to be possible in my lifetime. Like I thought that that was, I thought that that was something I was going to no. have to wait until I was dead to figure out, you know, like, um, so I actually thought I was too unimportant. If there was, if there was a God, because I was agnostic, too, until I had some, you know, world-shattering experiences. But I literally thought, 
Like, why would God talk to a lowly worm like me? It's, uh, it, it, I'm so far beneath his attention. It's, it's, like, not even possible. And then I was like, oh, wait, whoa, this is yeah. not the case at all. Yeah, no, and I just think that. I think that's the problem with religion a lot. Of the time. Right. It and, um, feel that way. I think that's sort of why so many people are interested in, you know, having these psychedelic experiences right now is because people are craving, you know, that connection, that true visceral feeling, you know, um, because let's, let's admit it, man. Like life is sort of daunting, you know, it's a beautiful experience and it, there's so many things to be grateful for, but being a human being can be very painful in a lot of ways, you know? Um, and, I think that's why people need to know, or a lot of people want to know that there's something else to this. This isn't just, like, it's like what you talked about with your suicidal ideation. It was like, is this shit really worth just, like, going through, you know? Um, and a lot of people... Yeah. I, I, is it worth being right. tired and you, all the time and, they've see, and you see this repeated endlessly with these studies that they're doing now, these legal studies with psychedelics where people are coming back and saying things like, it was the most impactful and important experience of my life. And that is, and a large amount of participants are saying that, and that is, they're saying it is more important than things like their their wedding day, than a child being born. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. I will literally say that experience yeah. saved my yeah, life. Yeah, dude. I just remember watching you. You know, in the following weeks, it was a little, little scatterbrained. Yeah, <laughs> I was grizzled, wasn't I? Yeah. I was grizzled. But out. then it was like, <laughs> it was like the phoenix, man. It was your necessary sort of uh, death and rebirth, uh, metaphorical death and rebirth. You, you didn't the. Josh Tilson, as a human being, did not, his heart did not stop pumping, but the sort of uh, ego that. The Josh, the, yeah, the ego, all those layers, like just clay that's been added on over and over, just broke apart. And I got to step back, excuse me, and kind of look at how I wanted to reshape and take out some of the the chunky toxic bits and just yeah. toss them out of it. It was literally like working clay, yeah. but with my own brain. And I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't super recommend it. Felt like I could have easily uh, gone yeah. off the deep end during that experience. Like very close right. to it. Well, Walking and I think fine line on some it. of the things you, one of the things you had going for you, which um, I recommend anybody going through any sort of, uh, spiritual crisis or psychosis or whatever it is to reach out for help, man. Like, I think, you know, you had a good support group around you and, you know, I, I was happy to, yeah. I was happy to be there for you in that time. Cause I knew it was a very transitional moment for you. And I've, I myself had had experiences and been through this sort of very similar thing where it's like, well, fuck, like I really got to change some shit up. Like in my, like, you know what I mean? Um, I was mostly just scared that I had broken my brain. I was more of, it was just yeah. kind of like, oh no. But the interesting thing was, 
suddenly I had a newfound uh, appreciation of my day-to-day things. I literally, for a few weeks, I would go and do my job at Walmart, which, that job sucks. It's, 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 but, it sucks. But I'd go in each day, and it wasn't that I hated doing the job, it was I enjoyed moving through experiences and talking to people and generally just kind of being present. And I had this realization, this was the big shift uh, that happened over that time, was the more attention I gave something, the more I focused on something, the more that thing would grow. And I had been focused on being miserable and upset and unhappy and doing this dead-end job for so long. I had completely stopped giving focus and energy to positive things in my life. So I went in. I dutifully did my job. I, I worked. But my attention, the energy, was focused on how can I improve my life? How can I start looking at the things that give me satisfaction and pleasure rather than misery right. and upsetting spaghetti? And all of a sudden I had a new job. I got a new certification. I got yeah. a job in a tech field. All all within Yeah, you got it. Within a year. You got a new house. You started some new hobbies. You started some new you I started new some house. new hobbies, you know. Uh <laughs> You spent more time in nature. Man. I did. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, when you're inside, yeah. you're you're in a human ego. When you, when you're in somebody's house or business, yeah. you're in the ego of that thing, that entity. If you go yeah. out into nature, you're in the ego of God. That is that is God's domain. That's like you right. have no control out there. Well, I think um, give yourself over one of the it. things you touched on there was sort of that having this experience was a huge perspective shift for you. Um, and I think that that was probably very instrumental in your development and, uh, you know, you're becoming happier, having a better quality of life and, th- and stuff. Uh, because a lot of what dictates your happiness is your perspective on things. You know, you see people all the time that are say, in a third-world country, dirt poor, walking around with a smile on their face every day, sleeping in a little hut. Then you have people here here in America who are fucking driving Mercedes and have three houses, and they're miserable, 24-7. <laughs> miserable. Yeah. It's connection. How yeah. connected are I'll, you to the people around you? How connected are you to the things that make well, you it's their perspective actually on, happy? It's their perspective on things, too, man. Uh you know, the the guy in the hut, you know, he in his perspective, he's like, well, I got a family, I got friends, I got sunshine, I can I can walk freely around the, the, the you know, the, the jungle. And the guy in the Mercedes is like, well, I got this responsibility and I have to accomplish this and I have to be more disciplined in this. And not that having discipline is a bad thing. It's definitely a, a, a good quality and trait to have as a person. I have to go to yeah. the gym two hours every day, or my body dysmorphia right. yeah. will. Yeah, uh, there's hurt. A, there's a balance with everything in life, you know. Um, but I'm happy that I guess the point I'm trying to make is that 
Yeah. I'm happy to see that through your experience, you were able to achieve, you know, sort of a better balance of things and reach a point of better, you know, yeah. <laughs> I call it enlightenment, you know, it's, it's, you're, it's, you're enlightened pretty now. enlightened now. Like, there's just like this burning sun in my soul that's just radiating. Yeah, well, and that's why we started power. the classes, everybody, our, our <laughs> online enlightening <laughs> courses. <laughs> I'm happy, and you can be yeah. happy, too, by giving me money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Is this how we start a cult? Is, uh, that, is that a, is that a mean, cult thing? Def- yeah. It's very similar. Once we start getting to, once we start getting people to do weird shit for us and like believe in us as like better than them, you know, and that our ideas will fix their life, and yeah, it's. Bro, I'm gonna come up with some crazy lore about the machine elves for them to worship. Oh, and just be I, like, this is how it all took enough DMT, figured it out. I know all the answers, <laughs> which. Man, like, if you think about it, I feel like, and I was probably, I was definitely in the same boat myself at one point where it felt like, all right, if I just do this enough, I'm going to get all the answers. <laughs> like, and not that I, not that, I'm going to learn, not that, like, thing. I wanted the learn it all. power, but it was like, I saw it as a sort of um, magic bullet, you know, like to just, but I quickly learned that there is an you know, forever ongoing sort of investigation into your own internal psyche. And because think about it, the, the world is infinite externally and internally. There's always something new to explore. You're never going to figure it out. And this is a, if this is a game that we're playing, right? Life, if it's sort some sort of game, what fun would the game be if we just got the answer? Like, you know, Sometimes it's yeah. fun to cheat. Hey, I think, uh, yeah, having the, having little shortcuts, maybe little cheat codes to help you along your path is fun. But to just like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's part of the the mystery of life is no one really truly knows. I mean, and there's, I have my own personal beliefs, and you know, there is this. Uh, growing amount of exploration into these other realms with the increase in popularity of psychedelic compounds. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's the mystery of it. It's, uh, and there's definitely been moments in the throes of a very deep DMT experience where it feels like, got it. (laughs) Like, just wait till I come back with this one, boys. It's really going to shake things up in the world. And then you come back and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah, fuck. Damn it, how did that work again? <laughs> I read this analogy in uh, that biocentrism, biocentrism book you sent me while I was in jail. Uh, yeah, I need yeah. to I need to. But anyways, the, the analogy that, that was made, um, and I forget who wrote this, so forgive me, but uh, basically that your individual life, think about it as a Netflix show, right? So when you start watching a Netflix show, you know, you get kind of invested in it after some time and you get invested in the characters and the plot and the emotions behind things and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
and then the Netflix show ends, and you kind of have this feeling of like, oh no, like my Netflix show just ended. I was so invested in that character, and like I was so, you know, whatever. But then you go to the home screen, and you're like, oh shit, there's like an endless amount of these shows to watch. You know, well let's get move on, let's move on to the next one. And oh yeah, uh, I'm the I'm not trying to make the point that you shouldn't treasure your life. I think you should hold the things that you love to you love very dearly to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, but at the same time, it's sort of freeing this notion or this idea that maybe if life isn't just a one shot thing, maybe if there is some sort of say reincarnation system or you move up dimensions or whatever it is, if your soul really is eternal and everlasting, it's freeing to think about that because then you can sort of live like you're never going to die. And let me clarify on that. Ob obviously, your body is going to get to a point yeah. where it degrades. You, everybody dies, right? But there is so much pressure and stress that I think society puts on you. And you put on yourself this sort of existential, well this is the, my one life. Like this is, I got to get things done right. Like, um, and I think when you lose that fear, yeah. that, that deep rooted fear of death and more and your own mortality, it frees you up to be a more authentic version of yourself. You know, um, maybe, and that, maybe that's sort of what happened with you, with your, you know, ego death and rebirth where it allowed you to become a more authentic version of yourself through this sort of tough journey you had, man. I mean, do you, how do you feel about that? You know? Uh, it definitely, the first major thing that it did for me is it made me recognize that, uh, things aren't nearly as mundane as I'd always thought they were. Cause I, I'd lost a lot of zest for life just from being like, well, it's boring. It's it, like, there's nothing grander about the existence and it's kind of pointless if I'm just going to live and then die. And then whatever I experience is done and gone and whatever happens after that doesn't matter. Cause I'm not around it. So basically I got told that there are different levels of dimensionality and existence, and you can sort of grow into higher or lower levels over time, depending on what you, what show you want to watch, what, what video game you want to play. And from there, I hit this, this point where I was like, well, what if this is just ground zero? If this was just where we start at, and from here on, we can once we die, we can just dimension hop into where we want to go with all of our memories and spirit intact. Yeah. If that's what we want to do, what, what if this is just like the very beginning? And and that made me think about what if the, there is life after death what if there is continuation of this egoic consciousness albeit with some new twists then by default i should live life more fully i should enjoy it more because whether or not it's going to end yeah 
there's a chance that it won't. <laughs> and if it doesn't, yeah. then I might and as well, well keep keep on enjoying. I, I think that's beautiful, man. I'm glad that that's sort of a, a, one of the conclusions you came to with you know your experimentation. But uh, the, what I wanted to say is that I remember reading this study. Um, I forget the lady who did it, but this lady was interviewing people with like terminal illnesses and people at the end of their life, right? On their deathbeds, very, they knew they were going to die soon. Right. And one of the biggest, I think it might've been one of, or if not the biggest regret that everyone had was, uh, not allowing themselves to be happier in life. And that, that really was powerful to me. Yeah. Reading that because, you know, that's a lot of, uh, that's one of the big messages I've taken away from my own personal experimentation with psychedelics is that I need to enjoy the journey more. Not saying that I need to be going, following all these hedonistic pursuits, but I talked about this in that challenging acid journey that I had, the video that I made where one of the, the, the core of me having that, I guess you can call it bad trip or challenging journey was that I was realizing that my entire life I had been living just to be happy in the future, but it was a sort of tenuous thing. It was always going that that cycle was always going to be that way. Yeah. It did. I would always just told yeah. myself if once I complete college, once I get a good job, once I get this house, once I do this or that, all these material things are tenuous. The happiness, this, this state that I wanted to be in was always going to escape me. You know what I'm saying? And I was realizing that during this acid trip, that's yeah. that's one of the pitfalls that we all fall into it's just how can yeah. i make myself happier in the future rather than being happy now and right also be right. happier in the future yeah um yeah so uh so i know one of the things that you're pretty interested in man and uh we've done some tinkering around with together is this idea of uh and I'm going to butcher a lot of this, so don't come crashing down on me, great spirits. But your use of <laughs> your use of uh, would you call it <laughs> ritualistic magic? Not always. Uh, I okay. have to say magic in general. Uh, which <laughs> well, let's clarify for the listeners: yes. we're not talking about magic that is like, uh, you know, flying on a broomstick. Uh, I'm Harry Potter, like. Not, not yeah, yet. I can't shoot fireballs. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I, not yet. No, but man, tell us about like strike, you know so. your your interest in magic and your use of it, and also I want to know sort of the the synergistic play between magic and altered states of consciousness. You can define magic as using one's will to elicit change on reality, and. There is literally physical work, and then there is non-physical work where you are implementing your will to change reality as a whole, but there's always a physical aspect to it. Uh, as far as what I did, started with that, moved on to a couple of different systems, because it was just like, I just kind of want to see what's going on with that, like learning about it. And then I hit this point in my life where I, you know, I had a, 
psychological breakdown. I was completely and utterly stripped of who I am and what I do and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, there is something way more than I expected going on in the background yeah. behind the light screen of reality. So I kind of had this inkling that magic is a way to interact with that, not with this desk or, or you know, my little altery things. So I started playing around with it. And very strange things would happen as a very immediate result and of these kinds of uh, can you can you walk us through these maybe some examples of of things that happened you know so think of magic let me start with i i talked earlier the when you take a psychedelic it's like it's like you're a pair of shoes for God. You kind of recognize the ego as the shoes. You can loosen up the laces and kind of retie them and however you want to do that. Magic is like picking a path to walk down as those shoes. You cut all of these things, these misdirections out of your attention, right. out of your energetic alignment. And you focus on that one thing that you're trying to elicit and you find the most direct unobstructed path to go towards that. And then reality itself is uh, in accordance to magic will sort of shift and realign right. to make, to facilitate that, to make it happen. So as we talked in the last year, uh, I, got a certification, I got a better job, I got a house, I got you feel like you you feel like your projects going your on. Your implementation and use of that helped you calibrate your focus so that you could step into that reality that you wanted to exist in. And the way that we're putting it with magic and all this shit makes it sound very, like I've said, woo woo and crazy and shit. But really man, like all these things like uh alternate realities, parallel universes, infinite realities that we can exist in and all these different things. They're being proved. They're being, they're being proved. They're being proved by it. science at yeah, this point, it's you know, like, uh, with quantum theory and shit like that. So, I mean, and you know, uh, not saying that, you know, we know for a fact that there is infinite universes and all these things, but, I believe there. I believe there definitely could be, and I believe that there definitely could not be. But this idea that, you know, you are using your will to, like I keep saying, step into a certain reality that you want to exist in, um, it's cool. You know, it's it's definitely cool. And I, I like yeah. I like the thought. Yeah, of absolutely. Integrating that and and you know, supplementing your sort of. Uh, psychedelic journeys with that in the way of, you know, there's a lot of work to be done after a very meaningful revelatory psychedelic experience. And a lot of what it leads to is you get these, uh, feelings and these thoughts that come up and you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not existing exactly in the reality that I want to be in. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
how do right. I get this change to happen? How do I improve this thing? The, the cool thing about magic isn't that you can shoot fireballs. It is that it clears your head in a way that you can see that path a little more clearly. Or, uh, that that's one side of it, or you can literally just send out the prayer that I would like this thing to happen, and then you just kind of let it fade from your mind, and you let your subconscious direct your actions yeah. to elicit that more effectively. Um, it is it is very strange. It is not a uh, simple, please, God, yeah. give me a lo winning lottery ticket. There are all kinds of different systems that you can utilize uh, to, to make change, to, to cause things to happen. But I think until you recognize that divine presence, that gestalt, you're you're literally just asking the air to do something for you. You're not you're not recognizing that you are the air. You are both. Uh, I I don't. It's either Alan Watts or Ramdas. I can't remember which, but he said something along the lines of, "You are both the thing yeah. Yeah. and the thing watching the thing." There's no true separation beyond the ego. The ego is the thing separating you from that thing. So why can't you control it? Why can't you echo some of your thoughts right. out of your body and into the surroundings? Right. And, and you, magic and is just the system of doing thinking that. that that sounds crazy or far-fetched, think about pretty much every religious practice out there involves praying regularly and i'm not i'm not uh yeah uh married to any one sort of religion you know i like to study and you know read about different types all the time but i remember i would say it was about a year ago man when i was going through a pretty rough time and i was out on bond and i was you know i was just it was kind of a low point in my life i was going through some things uh i started i started praying every day man I started praying a lot every day and like, I mean, not just like, all right, God, thank you for this food. Help it nourish me. Thank you. Bye. Like I was really praying. Like I was, <laughs> you know, I would have these like long meditative <laughs> sessions and like after the meditative session, I would sit there and just pray, man. And like, I remember fucking call me a pussy, call me whatever you want. But during a lot of these prayers, I cried and it was, I don't want to say scary, but it was crazy the amount of change that started to happen in my life while I was praying every day, you know? Um, yeah. You were quite literally discussing with God. And like, I don't know your if intent, your, it was feelings, because of some other self-autonomous being hearing my messages and then warping reality for me, or if it was just me planting things into my own psyche and then my actions reverberating from that and, you know, causing that, you know, 
little change in my reality. But either way, either fucking way, it was it was working. Like, and maybe maybe pray, praying had nothing to do with it. You know, there's a difference between correlation and causation. But like, I, I don't know. You you hear about it so much. Like, I'm not the only person I feel like who has experienced this. Where you you pray and things not always. You're not going to pray for your grandma to come back to life out of the grave and to receive a billion dollars and it happens, you know, but there's a lot of people who testify to the fact that when they pray, things start to kind of can start to look up and it feels like they're being listened to. Uh, and this goes back to this idea that, uh, you know, all is one and <laughs> all this shit, like with God, because, uh, you know, if we really are all interconnected in the way that I think we, I personally believe we are sending that message out there into the heavens, the cosmos, the Akashic records, whatever it is, you know, it's, I feel like it could have some sort of, you know, positive wrinkle on your life. And man, I don't fucking know, you know, I don't know, but there is so much about our world that is bizarre and magical and unexplained and shit that a hundred years ago would have been thought as thought of as fucking witchcraft is being scientific being scientifically proven now. So I don't oh, think yeah. it's too wishful of thinking to think that. I don't know. Well, you're doing you're doing two things. The the first of which, uh, whenever you pray, you're doing two things. The first of which is you are manifesting, you are condensing the emotional or logical, whatever energy that you're feeling, you are condensing that into a directive. And then the second thing that you're doing is you are sending that to your higher self, to your outer world. The thing that is not your ego, you're sending it to that. So when those two things work together, they elicit change. They are manifesting change in, in your reality. Whether it's something that you are personally working on with the sweat of your brow, or whether it's something that simply happens to you externally, that, that is the magic. That is, that is what magicians talk about. And yes, there are all these different levels of communing with spirits and, and all of that kind of stuff. But what it really all boils down yeah. to is eliciting change yeah. through and that's why desire. I love all of the people, all of my dear fellow psychonauts out there who place such a strong emphasis on not only the, not only the experience that you're having, but the, the work that you do afterwards. Because... Whatever happens during a psychedelic experience, you know, with uh, the neuroplasticity, the the different brainwave states, it allows you to tap into something and access a different way of thinking, different perspectives. It allows it's a good pattern interrupter because life is a lot of life is these ebbs and flows of momentum, and like you're on a you're on a downward spiral, you're on an upward. You know, and uh, but you get stuck in these ruts, and it's hard to break out of it when you're every single day. It's like 
well, shit, got I'm depressed again today. I'm anxious again today. I'm fucking got to I got to still pay rent at the end of the month. Having some sort of pattern interrupter like a psychedelic. And I'm not saying a psychedelic is the only way to achieve these things, people. Please don't misconstrue my message here for that. But I think there's so much value in that, you know, being able to use that as a catalyst, you know. And I'm kind of uh, what do you say? Beating a dead horse, is that how you say? You know, I'm kind of beating a dead horse with a lot of these things, but there's so yeah. much, uh, <laughs> there's so much, uh, uh, a lot of these things intertwine and inter intertangle, you know, like with what you're talking about with magic and stepping, using your free will to step into where you want to go. You can do the same thing with integrating a psychedelic experience. You know what I mean? It just, the psychedelic illuminates to you that you yeah. are possible of of molding your reality better, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, all these things are just tools. Uh, the the social conventions, the psychedelics, the, the activities that you do on them, they all are tools, and you can learn how to use them. And the more you learn how to use them, the better you're going to get with them. Just... Don't hit yourself yeah. in the face with a wrench. It's really yeah. all it amounts to. Well, and, Learn how to stop hitting yourself in the face. In the sort of psychedelic, psychonaut community, uh, you see a lot of people, and I was guilty of this at two myself at one point, who are always just reaching for like these peak experiences. Like, well, I took 30 hits of acid, or I tried you know, MXC in combination with all this shit and I always trying the different molecules, but, and that's great. You know, everyone walks their own path. I've definitely done a lot of that shit too. And I probably will for the rest of my life continue to experiment with different things and shit. But I think there's something to be said about just genuine, generally deepening your relationship with something, whether that be meditation, whether that be uh, magic practice, whether that be, um, mushrooms you know my, my big shtick is obviously is fucking dmt you know uh but i don't know i just you don't always have to have the higher doses yeah. to, to i mean it does make a difference i think if you have to have the higher doses like if, if you can't experience it without having the higher doses i think that that is the sign that you need to maybe your maybe not i mean with the substance with these substances they affect everyone differently everyone has a different sort of you know biochemistry going on like you know some people might not feel anything from acid or like see my thing is is uh i really don't get me wrong i i enjoy acid i, I love some good lsd <laughs> but and i and i know this is different for everybody it's why i'm bringing this point up here in my personal experience, acid is very external. It puts a very kind of bright twinkle on the world, but it's not a lot of deep internal exploration there for me, even though there has been moments where I've had some revelations and things like that. On the other hand, mushrooms is super internal for me. It's it's very... I, I honestly, if I'm going to like go on a hike or be with a buddy, I have to take a relatively lower dose of mushrooms or else I'm going to be laid out there like going 
through very deep emotions, communing with what I feel like is a divine presence. I can, but on, but with acid, I can take eight hits of acid and hang yes. out with a buddy and be very present and not be and not be super internal. There's not a one size fits all way of approaching these oh, things, you're you know. So that's why I I made that comment of deepening your relationship with it in terms of figuring out what works for you. It might be, let's say, once every two or three months having a very large journey or, or just when you feel called to it. I don't know. It's very personal. You know, we talk about these, like, say, classic psychedelics, and we've talked about them a lot on this episode, uh, you know, LSD, mushrooms, DMT, and we talk a lot about having this sort of ceremony around it. And I saw someone on Reddit post something about the difference between asking the difference between DMT and salvia, right? Salvia divinorum. Anyways, so I commented on this post and, you know, kind of gave my two cents about in my personal experience, you know, salvia is very much up there in terms of strength and intensity as DMT, but it had a, such a jarring, weird feeling to it, like uncomfortable. It had a different spirit to it, right? And the guy... See, See that's, I think you still need to try it the uh, shamanist That's what I was about way, to say is that this guy the, uh, commented to my comment and was like, well, have you ever thought about, you know, setting it up in a very ceremonial setting like you would something with DMT and shit like that? And I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, you know what, man? I maybe I was wrong about salvia because every single time that I did salvia, it was when I was in, <laughs> it was when I was still in my very like youthful <laughs> psychedelic evangelist days, where it was just like, what can I get my hands on? What'll make me spin out the craziest? Right, and so when I did it. It was uh, my intentions weren't very, very uh, clear or uh, benevolent. And and I, uh, you know, me and Matt, we just sort of did it as like, well, shit, let's see what will happen, bro. Um, so I wonder what would happen if I set it up in a very ritualistic uh -huh. ceremonial, you know, paying my respects to the substance, sort of like, you know, obviously I do with DMT. I wonder if that would... I almost definitely feel like it would affect the experience. And then there was a, I was going down this rabbit hole of reading about people who were very connected to, to salvia, like using it as a, as a tool. Like I, someone would use DMT or something like that, you know, um, which, uh, was just interesting to me to think that, you know, there's people out there smoking salvia and, 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 and uh, using it for growth, you know? I don't know how they uh, yeah. manage that, but set and setting, like it's mentioned every time somebody's learning about psychedelics, set and setting are important. And it's the same as whenever you're trying to do a uh, magical ceremony or you're trying to party with yeah. friends or you're trying to just kind of have chill vibes. The, yeah. the setting that you utilize will change the experience. It, it will <laughs> drastically change it. If you go to a crack hey. house and take acid, you're going to have a cracked out experience. Yeah, very true, man. You or a rave, hell, you're you, going to have a rave experience. You can go to a rave and take acid and be laid out on the floor going through your mommy issues. Who knows? You know? <laughs> I'm sure that there is plenty of people who have experienced that, I'm sure. <laughs> you know? Um but no, the set and setting, it definitely does have, it's, it's fundamentally key. 
It'll change the whole yeah. experience, depending on what you're trying to Definitely. listen going into it. All right, man. So is there Completely anything else you want to leave things. people with? You know, this has been this has been fucking great. Now your followers are enlightened. They're more enlightened. <laughs> uh, they can achieve the platinum gold enlightenment plan great. for only great. fifteen hundred. Do we do we get some sort of discount code for that? Yeah, cool. it's just cool. the dollar sign five times. It's not actually yeah. any money off though. It's, it's, well, it's man, just a discount. I code. appreciate you doing this with me today. You know, uh, I love you, bro. Um, yeah, everyone, Josh, my buddy Josh. That's it.